Shalom Aleichem, welcome to The Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Karen O'Brien. Karen, mad woman, Dinah, translator, O'Brien's translation of Sholem Ash's God of Vengeance set Showworld aflame, according to the Village Voice, and was also produced by Theater J and the Rorschach Theater in DC, and can be seen online in a production by the Yiddish Theater Ensemble this May. For 10 years, Karen studied Yiddish theater and performance with legendary actors Luba Kattison, the Vilna Troupe, and Seymour Wrightsey, one of the greatest tenors of the 20th century. She received three new play commissions from the Foundation for Jewish Culture and was a 2019 translation fellow at the Yiddish Book Center, where she first began learning Yiddish as an intern in 1994. Karen has translated six plays by Sholomash, including The Dead Man, debuting this coming weekend. Welcome, my friend. Oh, thank you for having me. What an exciting week it is. I bet. I can only imagine how busy you are with the final editing of the radio drama. Yes, yes. It's coming together beautifully. I'm so thrilled about it. And um, I can't wait to hear what everyone thinks. Okay. And I I apologize to Seymour, whose last name I think I um, didn't do justice to. Uh, Seymour Rexite. Rexite. Okay. Everybody who knows me knows I fail at that mission. Um, <laughs> but, let's, but let's jump right in. So um, the play that we're referring to is The Dead Man. Um, tell me about it, how you came to the play, and maybe a bit about what's drawn you to the work in general, um, Sholomash's work, and specifically his plays. Well, you know, what, the first play, like most people I came to from Sholomash in the, the late 90s was God of Vengeance, because everyone knew it. It was the most famous, the most scandalous of the plays. And, you know, I had a good sense that, listen, if he wrote one good play, he's, he's probably written several others. And in fact, he's written over two dozen plays and there's been he's the most produced playwright um, in the Yiddish literary stage, Maury Schwartz did more Sholomash plays than anybody else. The Vilna Troupe uh, started with a Sholomash play. That was their very first production. And so I began reading his plays and, and, and started translating other ones. Um, the first one that I did after God of Vengeance was Matka Thief because it had some of the same characters. It was a underworld drama. And, and so I, I went to that one. And then The Dead Man came into focus. And I did a one act adaptation of it in 2003. But when I applied for the fellowship in 2019, um, I applied to translate the whole thing, as well as three other Sholmash plays in his book, um, Plays of My People, um, I'm calling it, but it's a series of his four nationalistic dramas. And The Dead Man is just this incredible play. And it's a play that deals, it's set in a pandemic and it deals with grief. And it's just kind of the perfect thing to process so much of what we're experiencing around the world this year um, and last year, I guess we're in the second year now with the coronavirus pandemic. And uh, it's set in the direct aftermath of World War I in a destroyed uh, village and the Jewish community is coming together in the rubble of the synagogue and they're trying to figure out what's the way forward. Should they get out of Poland? Should they move to America? They've heard some rumors about Palestine or should they stay and rebuild is the worst behind them. And they decide to rebuild 
And all of a sudden, the soldier comes back from the war and he promises to bring them to a land where there's no anti-Semitism, there's no um, widespread poverty and hunger, everyone will have their own house, everyone will be safe. And so people start to follow this man and, and the, the drama unfolds from there. You know, it's interesting, um, this is being presented by the Yiddish Book Center as part of Carnegie Hall's Voices of Hope. And when you and I first spoke about the possibility, you know, it seemed a bit unlikely that The Dead Man um, might be a play that sort of spoke um, and, and fit under that umbrella. But remarkably, and I don't want a spoiler alert here, it, <laughs> it, it does. So I, I think there, and you, you've sort of laid that out in, in what you just said, Karen, there's a lot to unpack in the play. And I think, you know, history repeats itself. I think it's safe to say. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you think Ash was wrestling with in terms of a larger narrative and, and in terms of his work in general, if you, if you see that there are those sort of threads in there. Oh, I, I totally do. And that's a great question because in addition to being one of the great literary lions of 20th century Jewish literature, uh, Ash was a, a representative for the Yiddish speaking community um, for decades. And he, when he was in America, when World War I was happening, but he spearheaded all of this fundraising. He was part of a fund that was going to raise a billion dollars to help the Jewish communities in Eastern Europe. He went there right after the war. He smuggled money that he could give to people. And he was so traumatized by what he saw there. I'm both moved and traumatized. Um, he was moved by the fact that the communities gathering together wanted to rebuild their synagogues and their schools for their children first, even before they were worried about their houses. This was the continuing of Jewish education was their, and, and Jewish spiritual life was their primary goal. So this was very moving to him, but he saw horrendous things. He saw horrendous things. He, there's an article in the New York times that where he describes the weak food, the just, the, the kind of the flowery, non-nutritious soup that they were giving out in soup kitchens. Um, Dina, when she comes on stage, the 18-year-old girl who is um, a, a, a character in the play, she's barefoot, and which probably leads to her becoming um, ill later on. And, uh, you know, people's houses are destroyed. They're all of the, their, uh, the Gentile um, neighbors stole um, what was left of, of their homes when they, when some of the Jewish communities were kicked out of various towns and things. And so this was such a traumatizing experience for him that he kind of had a nervous collapse when he came home to America and, and had to, um, you know, take some time off. And this, this play was one of the first things that he wrote as he was coming out of that difficult time. And it was a way for him to process the grief of what he saw to, to be, and you can tell some of the details. There's a, a mad woman who has a placard that with uh, slogans in Russian and Yiddish on it. Um, you can tell that some of the details in the play are things that he must have actually seen and witnessed. So he felt a need both to record what he had seen, but to offer a way forward, to offer a place for that hope for you know the Jewish hope that he um, describes and that he so fervently believes in himself of a continuation of a of a history of getting through difficult moments like this, 
Um, so all of that is encapsulated in this play. It must be quite something, and I hope I'm not projecting this onto you, um, to be able to work with one, the work of one writer, because you've, you've been working with the translation of Sholomash for a bit, yes? Yeah, for over 20 years. It's, you know, it's a tremendous honor. And I have to say that it's a tremendous honor for me to be debuting this uh, play presented by the Yiddish Book Center, who was the first organization to get behind me, was the first people to teach me Yiddish and to say, oh, sure, you can do this. And and to be part of um, Ash at Carnegie Hall, it's, it's, it's very moving for me. And, you know, I too feel like I have a deep connection to Ash because I've translated six of his plays and I, I, I've researched him and his life and read so many articles about him that he definitely feels like a close friend at this point. And, um, and of course, my mentors knew him and had met him because they were performing in the Yiddish theater in, at the time when you know he was such a celebrated playwright. So I, I, I do feel a deep connection to him and it's, it's, a, it's a great honor for me to, to, um, to be working on these plays. And when you say, um, you know, you said earlier before, maybe it wasn't recorded that, you know, I put, you know, 100% or 500% on this project. It's that the standard that he, the standard that Ash um, presents in his work in terms of both memora, memora, um, presenting his community, memorializing his community, but also the artistic standard. He was such a global writer who was so aware of all of the trends throughout world literature, you know, demands, demands that. And I, it is my fervent hope and my fervent intention that I meet his level of artistry. And, and that's why as this, we didn't know it was gonna be a pandemic. How are we gonna record this play? It has so many characters. Um, we didn't know how it was going to work and we were just trying things and eventually it just became bigger and bigger that we got 27 actors to come and perform, you know, more than 27 roles. Uh, and, you know, I love that. I'm, I'm so excited about that. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that's so, yeah, wonderfully inventive and it, it speaks to being able to create art in a time of challenge and the challenge was um, to bring a work of, um, you know, a theatrical work onto Zoom. We talked about this, you know, as a which is a visual medium, didn't seem to be as exciting as the idea of of building on the um, sort of the history of Yiddish radio, and also in light of the pandemic, it allowed you to do audio only. Um, but what you ended up creating, um, and again, I'm not going to spoil this for listeners, is is really so full and rich. I wonder if you can speak just a bit about for what the challenge was for you in terms of, quote, staging something as audio only and doing this one by one and then threading it all together. Yeah, it, I will. I definitely. Well, Audio is great, especially for me at this moment. You know, I've been working in radio for a long time. And what I think a lot of what we're dealing with as consumers of culture at this moment is that 
tremendous eye strain, tremendous exhaustion, um, tremendous overwhelm. I really hope our listeners, you know, turn on the program, get comfortable, lie in bed or on a couch and just let these voices from the path, from the past in the hands of, you know, Asha's brilliant writing and his recording device of a, a memory, just let, let, it washed over you and, and just really go deep into this. It's a mystical play as well, because it's about life and death. And it's about a time that we're dealing with now where the veil between life and death is really thin and people are dying en masse and we don't know who's gonna live and who's gonna die. And it he really processes the terror of that, which we all experienced in small and big ways this year. Um, so, you know, when you have a, a straightened circumstances, you know, when you say, okay, I'm going to give you four things and you have to build something from it, it, it requires you to be extra creative. And often that can spur on something better than you might have done if you had all the tools available. So I, you know, I, we had different plans. I'm like, well, what if everybody says no? What if people don't want to come into my apartment? Most of the adults in the show had been vaccinated. Um, and we had both gotten, Aaron and myself had both gotten our first back shot. And um, so I said, well, maybe we could do it with two people. Maybe we could play all the characters. But it turned out that everybody, almost everybody we asked said yes. And that was partly because they were excited to work on a Sholomash um, premiere translation, but also because of the pandemic, there's no theater happening. And, you know, people are trying to, to work on a real text and a, and, a, and a real work of art. So I recorded everybody one by one. Um, Aaron and I kept our masks on and the actors took their masks off and we set up a little recording studio in my living room in Hell's Kitchen. And we just, and I recorded everybody first, almost everybody first. And so I, I listened to it. I knew that recordings were good, but I'm like, how am I going to mix them together? But I didn't worry about that. I was just going to get all the voices first. And I figured I'd just figure it out. And then when it came time um, in early April to start mixing the voices together, I did the first 15 minutes and it was, it was, it sounded pretty good. It was exciting. And then the computer crashed and I lost that first 15 minutes. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh. So I, so I did it again <laughs> and it was, you know, it's okay when you lose something because you do it better. And then, so that's the, from that is the 10 minutes that you heard. Um, and then I was like, okay, I know it's going to be good. So we'll have, at least we'll have a 10 minute show. And, um, you know, and it just kept going on minute by minute. Okay, at least we know we'll have a 15-minute show and then an 18-minute show. And it's going to be about 90 minutes of, um, it's the entire text. We didn't cut any scenes. And it's, it's a, it's a mind-blowing text. It's a mind-blowing text. It's a mystical experience, but it is also a document of a time that we often forget because of how awful World War II was, of how just brutally awful uh, the aftermath of World War I um, is as well. And Aaron had this interesting idea, Aaron Bell, that's my collaborator, Aaron Bell. He, he sees the dead man as a, um, as a symbol for the, the flu epidemic that killed even more people than the wars. That pe so there was World War I, and if you survived that, then immediately you went into a flu epidemic. You know, if you can just imagine the, the, 
the weight of those tragedies back to back after losing everything, after losing so many uh, people in your life. Um, you know, that's that's open to interpretation, but it really is about the resilience of not only the human spirit, but the community spirit and the community coming together and the preservation of, of I don't want to say tradition, that sounds more conservative than it is, but the preservation of shared communal experience and of, of religious history and literary history and that had... Um, you know, kept this community going for so long. Well, when you explain it that way too, Carrot, I can't help but feel as though what you've brought out in the production and then also in surfacing and translating this work is something that is multi-layered. Um, and the way you realized it for this upcoming performance really sort of speaks to the, you know, rising to the challenges and, and pulling through with community and art being yes. sustaining and, and a way to explain and, and process things. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I, once again, I had great mentors in this. Uh, let me talk a little bit about Luba Cadison, who whose parents created the Vilna Troupe, the, one of the most famous Yiddish theater companies of all time. They premiered the Dibbuk, which she was in, um, but they started during World War One, And uh, what happened, she remembers it, she was about seven years old. They were living in Kovno, Lithuania, and her father was a successful set designer and scene painter. And the Jewish community there got 24 hours to leave everything and to get out. And they made their way to Vilna. Her father became very depressed. Uh, the mother, they moved into an apartment and there was already an old woman living in there who who didn't leave. So they shared like there was three kids and two adults. They shared this large room apartment with a, a, a strange woman who'd been abandoned by another family fleeing or who knows. And um, the, her father's reputation had been known in Vilna and there were two Jewish officers in the German army, um, Hermann Struck and uh, Arnold Zweig was Stefan Zweig's brother. Mm -hmm. And they came and they said, hey, listen, I think you should, guys, I heard you did some theater in Kovno. Maybe you can do something here. We can give you a little subsidy. And that subsidy was, you know, several bags of potatoes. So the actors wouldn't starve while they were rehearsing. And then, so they started rehearsing a Sholmash play, The Landsman, The Compatriot. And, and that became, the Vilna Troupe was born and history was born. And when I would, you know, I came to New York in the 90s and started producing theater and or performing in theater in a small storefront on Ludlow Street um, called Toto Kanada, that was Aaron's theater. And, you know, when I would complain about not having money or being so hard or whatever, you, you know, Luba would remind me that it's always hard and not having money is not a reason not to do the art that calls you or the the theater that calls you. I mean, we become artists not to become rich and famous, even though that has been obscured through our crazy capitalist culture, but we become artists because we have something to say. We have voices that are so loud inside of us that they can't be silenced, right? And so we, we gotta say it. 
Karen, thank you so much um, for surfacing the play, for all that you've put into getting this produced. And for our listeners, it's The Dead Man by Shola Mash, translated by Karen O'Brien. It will air Sunday, April 25th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, presented by the Yiddish Book Center as part of Carnegie Hall's Voices of Hope Festival. You can learn more and you can reserve a free ticket for the virtual radio drama at yiddishbookcenter.org slash events. Karen, thank you. And um, I will be on my couch by my virtual radio this Sunday. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Okay. All the best to you, to Aaron, and all the rest of the voices. Um, take care and we'll be, we'll be by our radios. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit our website, yiddishbookcenter.org. This episode was produced by me, Richie Barchet. Until next time, be well and be healthy.